Welcome to Genius Leadership, Overcoming Everything podcast. Join me every week for insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their roller coaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. I'm your host, Anna Liebel. Let's take this ride together. Dear Genius Leader, today I'm bringing you a bit of a different kind of a guest. Cynthia Lynn Blandford is Honorary Consulate General for the Republic of Liberia in the state of Georgia in the U.S. Everyone is calling her Consul General Blandford in the official meetings, but I asked her permission and got it to call her Cynthia for creating a bit more of a casual tone in this conversation. So Cynthia is Liberia's first African-American female honorary consul general. Uh, Cynthia is engaged in different roles. She is the obviously the consul in the Liberian consulate in Atlanta, uh, in Georgia. She is the founder of the nonprofit University Consortium for Liberia, and a businesswoman driving global strategies for good. Her accomplishments and outstanding leadership has been recognized by both the state and the publications like the Essence magazine. She has also received awards both for her philanthropic work and as the businesswoman, uh, being one of the most influential women in Atlanta, for example. And I invited Cynthia after listening to her as uh, a speaker at one of the breakfast networking events and I got stuck by one thing in her talk that she said that she's running towards challenges and she welcomes them in her life and I really like that approach and I really wanted to dig deeper in that and that's what we're doing in this conversation so we of course start with the definition of what is leadership for Cynthia and I really like how yet another guest talks about that leadership is about other people so listen about that also, listen about the building legacy. So, Cynthia is given an example of legacy of her mother and comparing that to her, her own. And we discuss how the scale can be very different, how the definition of what your life legacy is can be very different. And we discuss that it's not necessarily bad or wrong. Uh, there is no legacy too small. There is no legacy boring or anything like that. And the important part in life is to find your way to create impact, to build your legacy. She is talking as well about her upbringing and how her mother and their uh, attitude towards work and being curious and so on have uh, affected her and have influenced her life path. We talk about her engagement with the Liberia, why, where it comes from, and she mentions, for example, that she was the first African-American to be invited into the youth ambassadorship program or at Rotary International. And that's how she got to Liberia first time. We discuss where does Cynthia find her power and resilience. And she talks about tapping into her mission. And she's actually talking about that she was commissioned to do what she does. So this is another level of tapping into your purpose. It's really finding the drive for every single day and going through every single challenge of yours in that space of feeling like this is what I'm supposed to do in this life. And this is what I want to work on every single day until I die. Cynthia is talking about how important it is to take care of yourself so that you can actually do, like, do the work that you are supposed to do and what is your mission on this planet. And she gives some examples of what self-care is for her, what can it be. 
We also discuss how essential relationships are for the business and whatever you do. And especially when it comes to the question of crisis and the times of crisis. She discusses how you can use the crisis to make the essential impact that will last a long time after the crisis. And she gives an example of Ebola. So we don't only tap into the pandemic now. And I really like that she actually started with a world example in West Africa because that emphasized the cyclical nature of the world, that there will be challenges that we need to go through and they're unavoidable. And that's also what she's uh, telling me when we are discussing why is she running towards challenges? Because she says it's not about if, it's about when they happen. And it's better that you're prepared and you actually make friend out of them. And you have the right mindset, you have the right preparation, you have your right circle of support when you do face those challenges because they are inevitable. And the other part of the conversation that I want you to pay attention to is about revisiting the closed doors. I really like that idea of when the door is closing in front of your nose or when it's not opening when you want it to get inside the room. Don't see it as a closed door forever. See it as mm, not now and revisit that door. So my suggestion to you is create a list of your closed doors and think about what could change so that you can actually revisit the door and get it open. Enjoy the episode and let me know what you think. Cynthia, I am so happy and so honored to have you as a guest on my show today. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very delighted to be here and thank you for the invitation. Oh, that was my pleasure. I was I was just, you know, shooting high into the stars when I asked you whether you would whether you would have time to participate in the conversation and you just so uh, wonderfully agreed and I am really happy about that because I was hooked when I heard about <laughs> your story on on the breakfast uh, workshop that I have attended. And I will dig into what really hooked me on, but I usually start the conversation with a definition. So this is a podcast about genius leadership, and I would love to know what is leadership for you? Well, again, thank you so much, Anna, for the opportunity, and thank you again for the invitation. So leadership, you know, it can be defined in so many different ways, but for me and in my experience, I think it keep it very simple. Leadership to me is about people. How do you engage people to follow your dream? How do you engage people to follow your vision? How do you excite people, even people you may not know very well, to get on board with a cause or a purpose or an issue or a problem? And how do you allow them the opportunity to grow within your leadership circle? So mm -hmm. it's not about me when I think about leadership. It's about the broader community. It's about how to help other people grow. So for example, for leadership, for me, whether it's my children or grandchildren, I have them learning how to become future diplomats. They work in my office. They learn how to become a future ambassador. They understand internationalism and globalism. So for my friends and for my colleagues, I bring them along with me. So leadership is about engaging, encouraging, exciting, and bringing people along with your vision and your mission and your purpose. That is so beautiful, Cynthia. I also believe in the visionary leadership, right? When you have a purpose, when you want to create your dent in the universe uh, and a, a legacy, right? Build a legacy that is bigger than you. And for that, you need the other people. So that's what you're talking about. It's really about joining forces, linking arms and, and making an impact in this world. 
And it's it's a beautiful concept. Thank you. Thank you. And I think one other thing about leadership, I might say, is you talk about legacy. You know, I think about my mother, Ardella Wilson, and she's 84 and she's living with me now here in Atlanta, Georgia. But her legacy is defined in the things that she loved in life. So continues to love. She collected thimbles and she's collected coins and stamps and albums and dolls. And we are now cataloging them and albums that go back probably 50 or 60 years. And how do you now put that into a legacy portfolio that may have value and purpose for future generations to come? Yeah, it is about preserving history, right? And and remembering what you're coming from and what kind of times you've you've been through and maybe your parents and the previous generations. That's beautiful. And that also taps into the legacy can be very different, right, to every person. And it a bit, it a bit goes into the topic that I'm having as the red threat in the podcast about the genius leadership, that everyone has their zone of genius. And my purpose is to help as many people as possible to find that zone of genius so that you can lead yourself and the others from that space because it becomes more sustainable, it becomes more impactful. And that's what you're talking about, that for you, maybe the the playground is the whole globe, right? You have so much about the connecting the dots between the between the different countries in the world. And for your mom, it was about something more local, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's it's less impactful and less important. And it's so important to understand, and thank you so much for this reminder, that it's all good and we need to find our way to contribute to the world and build our legacy. No doubt, no doubt. And really for, you know, speaking again of my mother, while she did have a local concept of leadership, she was the first uh, African-American woman to serve on the Cornell University Board of Trustees, which was back in the day in the 60s and 70s, just unheard of. Mm-hmm. But because of her leadership style and her, her, just her energy and enthusiasm and diplomacy, she was highly regarded and respected. So we grew up in a household that valued work, that valued mm-hmm. contributions and even little things like, you know, trick or treat. It was a trick-or-treat for UNICEF. We were always trying to do something for someone else, and it wasn't about us. So we always had a giving heart and a giving spirit. And so that was exciting. And she allowed us to be brave and mm-hmm. courageous and gave us a long you know, handle to just explore. Ithaca was about caves and mountains and streams. And, and so we did all of that. And that helped us in our development as young women to not be afraid and to reach for the stars. We could be anything and anybody we wanted to be, thanks to her leadership, even though it was more local. She wanted us to see the world. And eventually she did come to Africa with me twice. She went to Liberia. She came to me to, with me to Zimbabwe. So she said, I need to figure out what is it about you in this continent that keeps you so vibrant and so alive. And she came and she saw for herself what it meant. Talking about what is it about that continent, you are born and raised in New York, and now you live in the Georgia state, or New York state, and now Georgia state. Why Liberia? How did it get so deep in your heart? Well, it goes back to, again, Ithaca, New York. My mother worked at Cornell, and we had a house very near the campus at Cornell. And so some of my after-school activities, as a, I was an athlete. I was you know, on the basketball team. I was a gymnast. I was a cheerleader. but for other activities after school, I would sometimes walk home and you'd be right at the Cornell campus from Ithaca High School. And you'd find yourself, you know, I'd have to pass by this place called the Africana Study Center. 
And I was so intrigued. I, I would see people walking in there with African garb and headdresses, speaking different languages. And I was just totally mesmerized. It just so happened that my mother was colleague, was a colleague to the director of that center at the Africana Study Center, Dr. James Turner and others. And I would go in there and sit into some of the classrooms. They would just allow me, oh, that's Ardella's daughter. So I would be able to sit in the back of the classroom and listen and hear and be influenced by some of the great leaders and authors and writers of our time for people of color. And so by the time I was 15, I knew I was going to do something internationally. At that time, I didn't know what it was going to look like. But I was highly influenced by the Rotary Club of Ithaca, New York. And when the Rotary mm-hmm. Club said, we're calling for youth ambassadors, they said, okay, Cynthia, are you interested? I said, of course I am. And I was accepted. The first Black and only student, I think, ever to have been accepted at the Rotary Club International for an ambassadorship, youth ambassadorship. So they said, okay, you can go to Switzerland or you can go to Liberia. Which country do you prefer? I said, well, I know enough about my European roots. I want to know who I am as an African. And so two students at Cornell University invited me. They said, oh, no, you're going to Liberia. We're going to feed you. We're going to give you fufu and soup. or We're going to give you palava sauce. We're going to fix rice bread. And at that time, I was sold not only by the food and the culture, but by the history of this country and the connections between Liberia and the United States intertwined and interwoven so deeply and as you know, some of the histories that Liberia was founded by free Black men and women from America, along with other free Black men and women throughout from the continent. And so it was just so intriguing for me to go there in 1974. And it was a mission in my heart. Once you go there, you are touched by the people, you will never be the same. So Liberia became a place of intrigue. It became a place of discovery. And it became an opportunity for me to grow in terms of what it is God had planned for my life. I didn't know then that, what, 20 years later, 30 years later, I would be commissioned as the first African-American honorary consul general uh, for the Republic of Liberia. So that's kind of a short story. I chose Liberia over Sweden, and I'm glad I did. (laughs) Sweden or Switzerland? Switzerland, excuse me, Switzerland. (laughs) Okay. So... Yeah, it's, it sounds like your heart was calling and you knew without knowing, <laughs> so to say. I knew without knowing. So your your CV, your resume is so amazing. It's honestly jaw-dropping how many things you're doing and really on different levels in, in different areas. It's both business and education and politics and so on. How do you find the motivation and where do you find the inspiration and the power to pursue all these dreams of yours and and just persevere? Because I could imagine that it's not a walk in the park. Well, you know, sometimes I even have to ask myself the very same question. You know, I have my friends who are working with me, my colleagues and business partners with three companies, not only the Liberian consulate, where I have a small uh, consulate here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I issue visas to Liberia. We deal with some immigration matters and issues around the Liberian community, investment and trade and all of that. But I launched my own company, Global Strategies for Good, LLC, which is over 10 years old. It's a women-owned and operated uh, company, minority business uh, concern. And that company focuses on international and global matters, business-to-business matchmaking, international conferences, traveling, tourism. And then we launched a nonprofit, the University Consortium for Liberia, which actually deals with our 18 international um, university partners, many of uh, which are, are here in the United States. And so for me, how I'm driven, really, it's a God-given mission. I believe I've been commissioned. Not, it's just not a mission for the work. It's, I've been commissioned. 
to do the work. And in that commission, God gives me the strength to do the work. I could not do it without the strength that God gives me every day to wake up. And a lot of my friends are saying, you know, well, Cynthia, you know, there's other things you could be doing. You could be making millions of dollars doing this and that and that and this. And I said, well, you're probably right. But at the same time, it's not always about the money. It's always about how to give service and having an impact on um, the world and on other people's lives. The blessings have already come to me in so many ways. I've seen the world. I've participated with heads of states and ambassadors, leaders from all over. And so for me to wake up every morning, I'm on go from the time I wake up until the time I go to bed. And it's always about the continent in so many ways and how the issue of connecting people from people of color here in the United States, Black people in particular, to their roots on the continent. That is one of my missions. And that is that we have so much to learn while we were taken from Africa against our own will. The discovery of going back home is a part of bringing our lives full circle. And so wherever I can have an impact on helping Black people in America know that they came from more than just a slave. They came from kings and queen mothers and zoes and leaders on the continent that are powerful and strong. And I want them to know, and my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren to know that there is a home where you came from that is bright and brilliant and helpful. It has its challenges, no doubt about it, but the opportunities are vast. And so for me to wake up every day and say, it's about giving back, giving service, I'm a, I, I have no choice. It is a commissioned. If I could get out of it maybe someday or do something different, I'm writing my book, as you know, it's not possible because this is why I'm here. This is the purpose of my life. And I'm driven by that purpose to make a difference and to bring people along with me. So that one day when I do retire, someone can take my space, take my place and carry on the torch for freedom and and goodwill and service to the world. That's such a powerful message and very beautiful one. So what I hear is your your belief has a big part in 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 the power in in your energy and what fuels you. And I'm pretty sure that quite a lot of our listeners are maybe not religious. They maybe maybe they have some different kind of power or source, but I do believe that we all should tap into that, whatever we call it, be it source, be it God, be it power, universe. But I, I really hope that you listeners are really tapping into that, whatever it is for you, that you are brought to this world for a reason. Cliche may, as it may, so, may sound, but it is like that. And it's important to remember that. And that helps to go through the tough moments. And the other thing what I hear, Cynthia, is really the alignment. You found your calling, you found your mission, and that gives you so much power. And it gives you the resilience that you need to go through the tough moments, maybe some darker days and so on. And this is also something that I am on a mission to help people find. Really tapping into what is your purpose? What is your zone of genius, as I said before? What what do you feel like you you would do even if you don't need to go to work, right? And it's so powerful to find this source for yourself, to find this way, what, what really sparks this joy that really makes my eyes lit up, that really makes every day meaningful and motivates me to, to pursue my dream and really shoot for the stars every day. And it doesn't become necessarily very easy, but becomes simple, right? You don't have a choice. 
There's no choice. In a good way. In a good way. It's exciting. Some friend or friend of mine said to me that when you leave here, for those of us who believe in, in God and Christ, when you leave here, you want to be completely empty. And I said, well, what does that really mean? That means you have to get everything out that you were commissioned to do in this world. So when you leave here, you have no regrets. You, ha- you can't say that I wish I could have, would have, should have. I've done it all and now I'm ready. So that's the ki- that also kind of drives me because I know there's still work that needs to be done. And so I, I make sure that this is now the time for me to re-energize myself, making sure I'm healthy making sure that I'm of good sound mind, continuing to read and write and engage and stay active. I've got a little work to do on the exercise uh, side of the equation. It's hard because I used to be a, you know, an, an, an athlete, but now it's difficult with family and all of the other commitments, but you have to take care of yourself. You have to. And so it's all a part of the living. So I'm on my vitamin regimen right now and you have to be healthy there. So you uh, eat very well. You have to be, drink a lot of water, all of that. The missing piece, and my sister bought me one of those little bit watches that keep up, I think they call it a bit watch, it keeps up with how many steps you're taking. But again, those things are so important. You have to be of sound mind and you have to make a commitment. And all of that is a package that helps you go to the next level. So I think it's important to share that. Be healthy, take care of yourself, because if you don't, then what you're here to do, you're going to miss it. And you don't want to miss a step along the way. Yes, yes, that's very powerful. Just really reminding yourself that taking care of yourself is not selfish. That's the most sustainable and most efficient way of following your mission and your purpose. That's really something that can help you use your every single day of the life that you're given here uh, to to its most. So thank you for for this reminder as well, Cynthia. And you talked about really pursuing the dreams. And I could imagine that not every endeavor, not every initiative of yours has come to fruition in the way that you expected when you would start with them. So I would like to tap into that part of leadership. What happens or how did things not work out sometimes? Maybe you can give a couple of examples. And what did it bring to your life or how did you handle those situations? Well, I mean, there's one that's so current even today with the coronavirus pandemic, even the Ebola crisis, just in terms of my my core business is internationalism, globalism. And so a lot of the work that I do is about travel, trade, tourism, faculty exchange, student exchange, all of that. And that means the movement of people and goods from America throughout the world, but particularly for the continent. So I think, you know, the Ebola crisis in particular for West Africa was one of the biggest things you didn't plan for. You couldn't plan for that kind of a situation. And here we are, we have a small consulate here in Georgia. And how did that impact us? It was huge in terms of the impact because we issue visas. So the issue of the revenue stream for the operations of the office, as well as for government was hit, not just locally by me, but all over the world. How do you now manage, you know, the dip in the revenue in in terms of operations, not just for that side of the company, but for traveling tourism, for global strategies for good. People weren't traveling and and understandably so because of the Ebola crisis. And so you had to almost re-engineer yourself. One thing is so important and that is relationship. So having conversations with our partners, it was like, and even the government um, of Liberia and other stakeholders, you know, this is a temporary situation. 
we will not always be in this space. So we re-engineered ourselves. So for example, for the during the Ebola crisis, we ramped up our relationships with the CDC, with Emory University, with Morehouse School of Medicine. And we hosted an international conference at Morehouse School of Medicine on the Ebola crisis. We, the vice president of Liberia at that time, Joe Boykai, came to Atlanta and we had almost 100 people in the room. We had the Liberian Nurses Association. We had doctors. We had, you know, people educators, people who were doing research on Ebola. And we and we adjusted our, our mission at that time to take a deeper dive in terms of how we can bring solutions to this entire crisis. And so one of the outputs of that and in previous discussions with the CDC and Emory, we had already launched uh, a relationship with the CDC and Emory to jumpstart a CDC Liberia. And so as I went back in time, I said, wow, it's about relationships and having trust in your partners. And we had been to Liberia with CDC and Emory University. And they said, you know, this is a great future location for a CDC, Centers for Disease Control. So by the time the Ebola crisis came, you know, some of those pieces were just beginning in the Institute for Public Health. Let me just say it that way. The Institute for Public Health, the CDC, all of that was kind of all in motion. And we were grateful because we could then re-engineer our, our core business to focus on how to find solutions. So we worked with MedShare, we worked with MAP International to help raise money to send medical supplies and equipment into the country. So we had to re-engineer ourselves because the revenue streams weren't there, but we had to move some things around, reprioritize our business model, and just make it happen. And we asked the community to be patient. So for our missionaries, for our faith institutions, we said, be patient. We will not always be in this place. We opened our doors to the CDC. We issued visas to them. You know, we were very capable of doing things immediately to keep the doors open and the relationships open. So in my mind, it is about keeping positive relationships all up and down the food chain because you don't know when or where or how you might need an understanding partner in time of need. And they were there for us. They were all there for us. And I'm so grateful for that. So we had to retweak our business model. Then, you know, moving forward, then, of course, the Ebola crisis subsided. And in fact, we had no Ebola in in Liberia after we lost thousands of lives. And those institutions now live. The CDC, the Institute for Public Health, we're still strengthening the healthcare system in Liberia. We still have a lot of work to do. But now we're working with some of our partners now who uh, and some of our funders to say, now, what can we do for the long term for sustainability? Second one that we didn't expect was the pandemic. You know, here we are, Liberia was just beginning to make a huge upsurge in traveling tourism. We're getting ready to celebrate our 200th anniversary for the return of free Black men and women in 20, this year and in 2022. So we had put a lot of energy into getting tour packages to invite people to come home. With the Black Lives Matter movement, it was really important to really build on the fact that there were some real cultural experiences that could be exchanged. Black Lives Matter, Africa Matters. Let's put those two together and build a comprehensive plan for interaction, engagement, and development. And so with this pandemic, it was even more curious, you know, just in terms of how the business model was going to be impacted. And it's been huge. Um, I think for us in this space, you said, what are some of the challenges? We ended up going virtual in our office model. You know, I looked at Facebook. I looked at Google. I looked at some of the big giants. They're sending their people home and they're working from home. And these are multi-million dollar companies. And I'm saying to myself, you're a small company, efficient, effective. What can you do so that you can downscale, outsource, and really begin to build a model that makes sense with a lower overhead cost? And it's probably something I should have been doing maybe even a bit earlier, 
you know, the overhead costs, while we had a great presence in the community at some point in time, it may have been uh, important. You might want to scale back your business model. It doesn't always have to be so grand, but you can have a presence. And so the pandemic, just to, just to give you one other footnote on, you know, how do we take a challenge and turn it into an opportunity? We now have done two very successful webinars. I'm so excited. We did one on COVID-19 and we had the High Bishop over Liberia, Cote d'Ivoire, South Africa, Dr. Bishop McLeod to be on a webinar along with Ambassador Andrew Young, our, who of course is the former UN uh, ambassador and former mayor of Atlanta. We also had our ambassador, George Patton, the Liberian ambassador to the U.S., and, and, and several others on a webinar that talked about COVID-19. And so from that output, we had 100,000 tablets of selenium that went into Liberia based upon our relationship with Ambassador Young. And so other kinds of outputs came from those challenges. And even at best, we went on to the next webinar and we did one on education. And that included the president of, of the University of Liberia, Dr. Nelson, uh, the former president of Savannah State University, Dr. Cheryl Dozier. We had a, a number of uh, students, alumni in our program who've been students on scholarship for the University uh, Consortium for Liberia. And so we took those negatives and we made it into a very positive outcome. So we now have in our following almost 58,000 people who hopped on either the day of or the day after, either live streaming the day of or on a, on a post boost the day after. Almost 58,000 people who are now trending the work that we're doing. Who would have imagined that a webinar uh, would have allowed that kind of, that technology would have allowed us to have to reach people that we probably never would have reached before? Absolutely. And that's just so, uh, it's it's really important to, to turn the challenges and the adversities into opportunities, as you said. And, and those are great examples. And, and it's so great. And I'm grateful that you are actually tapping into Ebola example first, not only go into the pandemic that we are facing at the moment, because that gives a perspective that it all is cyclical. We all get into those seasons, right? They, they talk about the economic winter. It comes every decade. You inevitably will hit that. It's natural. It's part of the cycle and you can't skip it. So it's, you'd better be prepared for it. And I really loved what you said, that when you were talking to your, your network during that crisis, you actually reminded them that this is not forever. This is not permanent. We'll get through it. And I think this is also a very powerful part of the leadership when you can be this visionary leader who reminds that, yes, it's tough at the moment, but it's not going to be like this until the end. And now going back to what I started with, how I got hooked on, on your speech at the breakfast, you said there that you run towards challenges and you welcome them. And it, it sounds like you, now we got some examples of how you do it, but I would love to develop this topic a bit more. Why do you run towards them when most people actually try to avoid them? And why do you feel like you should invite them into your life? Well, you know, my life experience has been full of challenges, both on the family side, on the business side. Thank God I've had good health care and been strong through some of these experiences in my life. But it's, not, it's just not a matter of if it will happen. It's a matter of when. It's going to happen. And you're going to have the economic downturns, the ups and downs in your financial portfolio. You're going to have issues of family who are aging. And how do you prepare for that? You're going to have new children and grandchildren. How do you prepare for that? You're going to have new people and business opportunities to come into your life. How do you prepare for that? And so for me, 
I think the one thing that I've learned in my experience, and maybe maybe it's not so good, but maybe it's okay. I think it's worked for me. And that is I very rarely say no. I always say yes to opportunities. And so having an open door and being flexible with my partners and my family and my friends has given me some new opportunities that I might not have um, imagined. So if you're running toward a challenge and one door closes, I oftentimes go back to those doors that were closed at one point in time in my life. And I revisit them. Like, Cynthia, this is not a good time. Let's revisit that at a future date and time, you know. And I make a note of that. And, and I think that everything, like you said, is cyclical. How do you then, for people in their own lives, are going through challenges and opportunities? So it may not always be a good idea, for example, to talk to a university right now about signing on for a faculty exchange or student exchange. But I would remind our 18 university partners, particularly those six, um, 17 that are in the U.S., now with technology, we can now ha- have training, capacity building, and all of that curriculum development via webinar or podcast, some kind of a training capacity building component that helps to strengthen the relationship. And so, for example, working with Clark Atlanta University, that memorandum of understanding, we took the president of Clark Atlanta University in 2012 to Liberia, along with three faculty. We've now got two PhD students who have graduated based upon those relationships in chemistry from Clark Atlanta University. We now have signed a new memorandum of understanding with Clark Atlanta University. And I took the dean and the director for the Young African Leaders Mandela Fellows Program in 2018. It took us two years. No fault of anybody's. There was a new president at Clark Atlanta, so we had to give him time. Uh, Then the pandemic came. So in my mind, you had to run toward the challenge. And that challenge was, this is not the right time. But you continued to engage. You sent little notes, made little phone calls. And it helped to keep the spark alive. And so we've got some wonderful opportunities in terms of running toward adversity versus running away from it. And sometimes it's just about the timing. So I'm not afraid of adversity because I've seen so much of it in my own life, the challenges. But I also say to myself, you'll wake up in the morning and there'll be a brighter day and you'll have a better perspective on it. So sometimes you just have to close the laptop. You have to turn off the phone and get a good night's rest and start afresh. And then look at today, you know, it's better than yesterday. You know, we have our challenges here in the U.S. Who would have thought that we would have had the challenges that we had, you know, just in terms of the elections and the runoffs and all of that happened at Capitol Hill in the the U.S. yesterday, but they were able to confirm that President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris are now going to be taking on the leadership of this country starting in in January, this month, actually, next week. So you have to run toward it because it's not going anywhere. Adversity needs to be your friend and not your foe, because if you're afraid of it, it will take you down. If you can't find a solution, then you'll be discouraged. If you can't find a new way forward, then it'll set you back. And so for me, I just am excited. You know, adversity, it's coming. Be ready. Take it on, head on, and it'll make you stronger and better uh, along along the way. I love it, Cynthia. It's so powerful to really embrace it, right? As you said, it's coming to you <laughs> and you'd better be prepared and you'd better be uh, friends with that because it's life and life happens. And I love what you said about revisiting the closed doors. And I want to emphasize that yet again for you listeners because that's an amazing, amazing mindset, an amazing concept, let's say it, that when the doors close, you say, oh, not now, 
but it doesn't mean that it's closed forever. Situations change, your prerequisites change, the situation within that room that the door is closed to, they also can be different in, in some period of time. And it's so important to remember that, okay, here is my list of my closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> Which one might be open today? <laughs> and you go and revisit the door. That's a beautiful concept. Thank you for sharing that, Cynthia. You're so welcome. And, and the only other thing I would mention is that, if, for example, even with our University Consortium for Liberia board members, with these 18 institutional partners, it's not about me. Now we're getting ready to make assignments. Which board member will take on which particular institutional partners, helping to build those relationships, capacity, peer-to-peer, president-to-president, someone who's had fundraising experience, tapping them into those connections at the universities. We've got relationships with the World Bank, the African Development Bank, USAID. How do we now drill down going when the doors were closed, proposals were rejected? Now, in this new environment, how do you go back? Because you kept the relationship open. You invited Mm -hmm. people into your circle. You send them your newsletter and you keep them informed. And many of them are saying, well, gosh, you know, we kind of wrote that particular project off or that proposal off. But maybe now it's been strengthened, the program, the website, the staff, the volunteers. Maybe we need to take another look because I think there's something that might be very promising. There's something about this model that may really help our institution, our funders, our sources of, of, you know, revenue moving forward to really tap into this new project that is happening on the ground. So we're so excited that some of these uh, relationships now are coming uh, home to roost and we're really excited about it. And it's important to remember that, guys, that applies to any kind of situation in which you are. Cynthia is talking about having a nonprofit for for promoting the education, right? And cre- creating collaborations. And it's a platform for collaboration, but you can also use it in your business. Whether you're a founder of a startup, it, it applies to your relationship with your stakeholders, being internal or your investors, your potential clients and so on. It applies in your if you're in a big corporation. The same way with all the stakeholders, keep those relationships going. Keep reminding about yourself and I think what you're talking about as well, Cynthia, is providing value to them. It's serving, 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 serving. And that's where you come from, from that space. And if you come from serving, you build those relationships. They are rich. And then, as you said, during the crisis, just because you have built and nurtured those relationships before the crisis has hit, you were able to get the support from uh, all the collaboration partners and different organizations. So this is so important to to be reminded that relationships is a very important part of whatever kind of business you have or whatever kind of activity you have. Absolutely. And for me, at the end of the day, you know, I do believe that we have a force for good in the world and that people really do want to serve and make a contribution and to make a difference and to have a lasting impact. And so you tap into what is in it for them. We used to call it with them. What's in it for me? But it's really what's in it for them, a much broader concept, not a selfish concept, but how can you help other people reach and actualize their own dreams and goals? So when you're running toward a challenge, you know, face it head on. It's not going to go away. There are new opportunities that will open up. It's going to be a great year. We know for sure we will find solutions in this pandemic. It will bring about new models in the space. Technology is the winner in COVID-19. And so for Africa, we know for sure COVID-19 was a lesson learned. The doors were shut. Now, 
Africa has to figure out. You know, they have all the solutions. They have herbal medicines. They have, you know, natural medicines on the ground. They have the brains to get this work done. And so Africa has the solutions, many of the solutions to some of the world challenges. Africa is the, is the last frontier. And so my mm-hmm. heart goes out to all of those who, during this very difficult time of the pandemic, we've lost, but we now have to move forward. We have to face the reality that we were not prepared, but let's get ready because it may not be another hundred years uh, before the next strain comes. You know, it's already mutated into something else and strange and different. But as business owners and as entrepreneurs and as leaders, we can't run from it. We have to face it head on. And believe me, from my own experience, people are waiting for you. They're waiting for me to pick up that phone and say, what can we do and what can we do together to help solve some of the world problems? Yes, it's definitely great reminder that we do need to to pick up that phone. We tend to overcomplicate some things. <laughs> Yet, uh, this is the human conversation. And yes, now you can do it face-to-face, but thanks to that, we can connect like you and me at the moment, uh, just across the Atlantic. So pick up that phone, or if it's possible, by the time you're listening, go and meet those people and have a conversation. How can we create something good in this world? How can we contribute to make it a better place a safer place, a more joyful place, a happier place uh, for people to live in. What kind of impact can we create that our kids will will talk with proud pride and and passion about us? Like just you, Cynthia, talked about your mom in the beginning of this talk. So yeah, guys, go and pick that phone. Cynthia, I have one more question that I usually finish off with, but before that, I would like to ask, what is your zone of genius? As, as I said, I believe that everyone has. So what would be yours? Wow, that's an interesting question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that question uh, before. My zone of genius, what does that look like for me? The zone of genius, I think, is always to believe in myself. I mean, at the end of the day, the zone could be just how I you know, circle myself with people who love me, who believe in me, who trust me. Trust is such an important indicator. You know, they used to always call me the goody two-shoes girl. I wasn't always goody two-shoe, but it is about trust and, you know, making sure that you keep your 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 promise and making sure that um, what you say you're going to do, you're going to do. So for the genius in me, it's about integrity. It really is about the integrity of your work. And so I try my best. I'm not perfect, but I do try my best to have integrity in my relationships, integrity in my work, integrity just in terms of just making sure that what we start, we finish. We may have had some gaps in some of the work that we started, even for the University Consortium for Liberia. Our partners are waiting for us. They're hoping that we will come back to the table with an opportunity. And so the integrity, is a big piece of that follow through on what you've committed to, you know. And so the genius for me is also making sure that I stay close to what God's commission for my life is. That genius alone, sometimes I'm walking in the genius. I may not be the genius, but I'm certainly walking in the genius. And the genius is bringing all that's good um, and hopeful and promising to me and my family, and to my friends and colleagues so that I can take all of it in, so I can pour all of it back out to the world. Oh, that's so beautiful. So thank you for sharing, Cynthia. 
I have the last question, and that is about the Zone of Genius as well. What would be your three tips on how our listeners can get into their zone of genius and stay there and lead from that space? So for me, the zone of genius, of course, I would always want our young people to start early. And that is to develop a plan. You know, even for my grandchildren, I said, you know, develop a plan and how can you help them? I've got one who wants to have his own store to develop and design t-shirts. And so how do we help him, even at 17, develop a business plan, develop a business model, making the right connection. So even for me, I have a store now called simplyliberia.com where you can now go out and buy certain items and a portion of those proceeds will support our scholarship program. So, you know, that would be number one, helping uh, from understanding your question correctly, helping young people start early, get the kind of support that you need so that you can have your vision and your dreams come true. The second thing, and that's developing your business model, your business plan. And it really makes sense for me. And that includes your financials, making sure that you have a sound, I would even say that's separate in some ways, having a sound financial plan. One of the things that I've learned in my 10 years, over 10 years of, of service is you have to have a good sound financial plan. As the dips go with the economic downturn, you have to be ready. And so that means saving. If you get a stimulus check, put it away. Save it for a rainy day because the rainy day is coming and you may need your tires fixed or you, fixed, or you may need your, you know, to have your teeth clean. Save for a rainy day because it is definitely uh, going to come. And I would say stay spiritually sound and grounded just in terms of your, your life. I'm a Christian, but if, you know, if you have another source of strength, get to it. I do know that we don't take care of ourselves. Go to the well of goodness, whether it's a good rest, whether it's, you know, having a walk, whether it's cooking your favorite meal and you know it's going to be healthy for you and your family. Go to the well of goodness and strengthen yourself and make sure that at the end of the day that you remain healthy. If you're not, all the things that you want to do in your life will certainly be challenged. So those three tips in terms of the greatness, if I understood you uh, correctly, those are the things, those are the three tips that I would encourage people to do. And don't be intimidated by it. You know, reach out to a mentor. Let them help you along the way. I have young people contacting me all the time. Would you write a letter of recommendation? They've served in my office as an intern to become a future diplomat. Several have already gone into the pipeline to become a future diplomat. If you need help writing your story, if you need help we have to mentor others along the way. We'll always not always be in this space in this time. So bringing people along is so, so important. So I think those three genius models, how to connect and make sure that you're strong in your vision, you can do it. I just know you can do it. Just get out there and take the first step and don't be afraid. Be courageous and grab everything you can in this life to make a difference, not just for yourself, but for others around the world. And I thank you so much. I just so appreciated the opportunity to come here today and share my story. I hope that my book will be ready in 2021 uh, so that I can share my story with the world. I've had a fascinating life, uh, all the ups and downs and the, and the nooks and crannies and the sad moments and the happy moments. It's my life story. And as I mentioned before, there's a book out there called this, and they were related to the generations of the Blanford family. It's an incredible story about the Blanford side of my family. I think it's nine or 10 generations of my family. And so we're trying to get the other side of the family told, my mother's side of the family, so we know a little bit more about where we came from, from that side. So it's been an incredible opportunity. You're amazing. 
Thank you for all of your good work, your leadership and your support. And God bless you in the new year. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I really loved your tips at the moment. And I'm pretty sure that every listener has found lots of golden nuggets and wisdom nuggets and inspiration in our conversation now. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your day and uh, coming on the show and sharing all the wisdom and all the beauty of your soul. And to you listeners, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart that you have tuned in and I'm looking forward to connecting with you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you want to hear more insightful conversations about leadership, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your colleagues, friends, and communities. Do you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on topics or guests? I'm happy to connect with you. You will mostly find me on LinkedIn, but also on Facebook and Instagram. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything 